Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Are you... Good morning and welcome. And the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ, our Lord, who calls us still in the season of, of Eastertide to remember we live in the light of the resurrection. It is a joy to be with each of you today to begin our day and this week with time of worship. Welcome to each of you, especially those who may be visiting this morning. I would just remind you that as we gather for worship, we find some registration pads because it helps us to know of you sharing in worship here at First Church. It's helpful for us to be attentive to the opportunities for service before us as well, especially preparations for Vacation Bible School and support of the food bank. Uh, also, our church council is to meet Thursday evening at 6. As we gather for worship, we see uh, our scripture from the Gospel of John represented on our bulletin covers. It is when Jesus heals a man who has been ill for 38 years, by the pool of Bethzatha. So I look forward to sharing in that time of witness and worship with you. Grateful as well for Sarah Wardle-Jones to be with us, our flautist again this morning. Thank you for being with us, Sarah. And I would invite us at this time to prepare to worship God together.
Good morning to you all. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I would like to ask you to stand and join the choir this morning as we do our introit. He is Lord. We will be singing this three times together in celebration of the resurrection Christ because we do continue in the season of Easter right now. So let's join our hearts and sing this song. Remain standing as we share in our call to worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who satisfies you with good as long as you live. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles.
may be seated. Our opening prayer before us, I invite us to go to God as we pray. O God, our light, our beauty, our rest, and the resurrection of your Son, you have brought us into your new creation. Form us into your people and order our lives in you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. We just sang of uh, being at the river, and now we share that scripture that inspires that song. I invite us to pray. We thank you, Lord, for your word offered anew this morning. It is your word for which we hunger. By your word you satisfy, and by your word you draw us closer to you. For all of this, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall no more be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall worship him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And night shall be no more. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they shall reign forever and ever. This is the word of our Lord. And it is also Memorial Day weekend, in addition to enjoying meals together and trying to rest, perhaps, I hope we also remember and give thanks, as we wish to do at this time with this Memorial Day prayer. And again, if you will, offer the bold response. Let us pray. Almighty God, before whom stand the living and the dead, we, your children, whose mortal life is but a hand's breath, give thanks to you. For all those through whom you have blessed our pilgrimage, whose lives have empowered us, whose influence is a healing grace. We lift up For the dear friends and family members whose faces we see no more, but whose love is with us forever. We lift up For the teachers and companions of our childhood and youth, and for the members of our household of faith who worship you now in heaven. For those who sacrifice themselves, our brothers and sisters who have given their lives for the sake of others. We lift up that we may hold them all in continual remembrance and ever think of them as with you in that city whose gates are not shut by day and where there is no night. We lift up that we may now be dedicated to working for a world where labor is rewarded, fear dispelled, and the nations made one. stand as we sing.
Now invite our children to come forward as we share in our children's time. Good morning. So good to see you. Was it an exciting week this past week? Was school let out? Was that exciting? Yeah, it was. So you're going to miss waking up this week and not going to school? I have to think about it, huh? <laughs> Are you looking forward to some time off? Summer vacation? Was that, does that mean no homework? No homework. Not carrying books home, not getting on the bus, and not eating school meals, and... All, are you going to miss all that stuff? Yeah, kind of, maybe. We'll think about it some more. Well, I know we, we look forward to summer break and, and not having to wake up to go to school and not having to do homework and take tests and all those things during the summer. It, it's nice to have a break from that. And, and, and I welcome that break. I remember being excited. I remember when I was your age going to the pool and playing Little League Baseball and things like that during the summer. That, that was a lot of fun. Well, I, I hope what our experience with school is, isn't our experience with church, meaning I, I hope that we don't take a summer vacation from church, and this is for all of us. I'm hoping that we, we love church, we love worship, and, and that we continue to study and grow in the faith. So just because we may not be in school, I still hope we spend some time with Scripture, and that we spend time in prayer, and that we spend time with God, and that we spend time with these wonderful people of faith here at church, so that we continue to grow in the faith. So yeah, the summer vacation, it's nice when it applies to school, but here at church, I'm hoping this is just such a wonderful place of service and worship and blessing and fellowship with one another that we, we don't take a break from here, that we don't take a vacation, because God is with us always. God never takes any vacations from caring for us and loving us, so it is a blessing always to be with you in this time and place of worship, to see your faithfulness and to be blessed by your presence here. So we thank you. And I do pray that you do have a wonderful vacation from school, but it's always a blessing to see everyone here as we worship at all times. So if you will pray after me, we thank you, God, for school and for summer vacation. And we thank you for this church, for your presence with us, for your blessings upon us, and for the assurance that you are with us now and always through all seasons. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
From the Gospel of John, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 9, we hear the word of our Lord. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Hebrew called Bethzatha, which has five porticos. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been lying there a long time, he said to, you, to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is troubled, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your pallet, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his pallet and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. This is the word of our Lord. I remember from my days as a seminary student, a man named William Oglesby. Oglesby, now deceased, was from Arkansas and really never seemed to stray from his rural southern roots. Well, despite his humble background, Oglesby was to become a pioneer in the field of pastoral care. He was instrumental in founding the Virginia Institute of Pastoral Care, a branch of which is in Roanoke. Though he had retired by the time I entered seminary, I was fortunate to learn from Oglesby's writings and occasional lectures. Well, being a pioneer in pastoral care, Oglesby took, as pioneers often do, his share of arrows. I think of this when I remember Oglesby making this statement related to pastoral care. We only get sick, he said, when we need to get sick. Now, you understand why Oglesby would take some arrows for saying this. We hear this statement, and we may hear Oglesby saying, we will ourselves to get the flu or sinus infection or bronchitis. We may hear him saying we're all hypochondriacs, that it's all psychosomatic. We hear the statement and we hear Oglesby saying we will ourselves to get a stomach bug before the final exam or before the boss visits us or before some critical church meeting. Well, I wish I could have been there. (laughs) Sorry, I got sick. Now, Oglesby would be quick to say his statement, we only get sick when we need to get sick was a statement made somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Still, it's a statement not to be quickly dismissed. 
For while his statement is not to be taken to any extreme, it is a statement carrying some truth we do well to explore. For example, Oglesby is saying illness, as unpleasant as it may be, may also serve us in a helpful way. You see, I believe Oglesby to be saying something like this. You've worked every day for more than a month. You've worked overtime, you've worked weekends, you've gone in before sunrise, you get home after sunset. Then comes the morning when you can't get out of bed. You ache, your head is spinning, you shiver all over, feel a cold sweat. Yes, you feel you need to be at work. Yes, you feel indispensable. And you wonder how your work will get done. But you know you have run into a foe you cannot conquer. So you swallow your pride, you call in sick. Now you see, this is where Oglesby would interpret illness as an occasion of getting sick because you needed to get sick, not having the good sense to take a day off and not caring for self by going in late one day or leaving early. The bodily body finally says, you can go no further, we're taking over, we're shutting you down. So Oglesby says sickness in a case like this serves a purpose. The purpose of giving yourself a break. Giving yourself some sabbatical. You who may think it's fine that God takes Sabbath, yet you believe yourself to be more indispensable than God. So when sick, says Ogilvy, don't hurry back to work. Let the illness serve its purpose. Let yourself benefit from some rest some sleep, a change of routine. You see, sickness may benefit us in a way that being well does not. Now, we may or may not agree with Oglesby's premise. And to the degree to which we may agree with his premise, we're still invited to ask, if someone is ill for 38 years, what purpose can that serve? According to the Gospel of John, Jesus encounters a man who had been ill 38 years. Now, 38 years ago, I had just finished my sophomore year at Eastern Mennonite College, home of the Fighting Amish. Thank you. I had no gray hair fewer pounds. I don't know what life was like for you 38 years ago, if indeed you were here, but I'm guessing to think back 38 years ago feels like a time long ago and far, far away at the advent of the computer age, before smartphones, the Soviet Union still intact, the Berlin Wall dividing East and West Germany, a long time ago, a long time to be ill. How can someone be ill so long? Does Bill Oglesby's premise prove true here? Could it be this man is ill even so long because he wishes to be ill? Does he need to be ill? Does the illness of this man serve some purpose beneficial to him? Now, I know it may sound uncaring to ask such questions. Why would anyone wish to be ill that long? 
But allow me to ask some questions. For example, are we really to believe that in the 38 years of dwelling by this pool in Bethzatha, that not even once this man gets to the healing waters before anyone else? Would it not take considerable effort on the part of someone not to be the first person to reach these healing waters at least once in 38 years? Lest we believe ourselves uncaring in asking this, let's notice the question Jesus asks this man. Do you want to be healed? Now, has anyone ever been to the doctor even once when we were sick, visiting our physician, and had him or her inquire as to whether or not we want to be healed? Are there not those things in life we assume, namely, that one who is sick wants to be made well? And Jesus asks still, do you want to be healed? <coughs> but if we find Jesus' question strange, notice the response of the man. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is troubled, and while I'm going other, another steps down before me. Again, the question, do you want to be healed? It's a yes or no question, isn't it? But we notice the man answers neither yes or no. Perhaps we too should not answer this question too quickly. Because with health, as with sickness, there are consequences. Multiply that by 38 years. <coughs> Despite being ill this long, it is fair to say a man ill for so long has grown accustomed to his status in life. I mean, he has a network of support. One does not survive 38 years of illness without some support. And he has his daily routine. So consider if he is healed. His routine is upset. He is to take greater initiative in providing for himself. He must possess greater independence. Others will not do for him as they have done before. So do you want to be healed? Don't answer too quickly. Life looks different when we're well. While I was serving a church in Colonial Heights, just south of Richmond, my district superintendent, Jack Martin, seeing that there was no black United Methodist Church on our district, began to pursue establishing such a congregation. So I was part of a leadership team tasked with trying to find a home for a local black congregation. We looked at a nearby elementary school. We looked at a new apartment complex. We looked at a couple of long-established United Methodist churches. One of these churches was a wonderful facility, once strong and vital, but like many churches, had seen much of its congregation moved to the suburbs in recent years, leaving a faithful and older remnant to support this church and its ministries. So the leadership team of which I was part met with leadership of this church to discuss how this church, strategically located near Virginia State University, a historically black college, may be able to host a black congregation. 
Regarding worship ministries, the idea was that the black congregation would meet on Sunday afternoons, well after the morning service of worship at the church. As this church had an abundance of space, if used to host a black congregation, there would be no conflict with the established ministries of this church. Still, as district leadership met with leadership of the church, we could feel the resistance of the church leaders. We could feel their discomfort. We could feel that this church, despite being given rare opportunity to help launch a new community of faith, to be a home of faith for young students, was somehow going to find means by which to say no. And they did. And I would hear shortly after this conversation between the church and the district that one of the church leaders would say to one of the district leaders, let us die in peace. You want to be made well. There are consequences to being made well. Much may be expected of us. We may be expected to take the words of Jesus seriously. We may have to work. We may have to sacrifice. We may have to serve God and neighbor. That's a steep price to pay for being well. Much easier to be ill, to be an unfortunate victim of poor health, much easier to lay by the pool of Beth Zatha 38 years. So don't answer too quickly the question, do you want to be healed? Not everyone wants to be healed. We notice religious leaders will protest that Jesus should not heal a man on the Sabbath. They prefer illness. They show their preference for pathology. The desire for good health is not to be assumed. The consequences for living in good health are more than we may wish to bear. And what about us? Well, while we think it over, while we consider the consequences, while we ponder the fact that being healed means change to a life predictable and comfortable, we do well to notice. Jesus heals the man. The man takes his pallet and walks from the pool. You see, regardless of what you or I want, regardless of the degree to which we wish to be made well, it's Jesus' desire to heal. He will make well. While we may delay, deliberate, wish to control in unhealthy ways our daily lives, Ultimately, we contend with a God who has his way. His will is done. All are made well. In other words, should we desire illness, should we desire some manner of pathology, we contend with a God whom we cannot defeat. Should we wish to dwell by the pool of Bethzatha for 38 years, we do so in the company of a God who makes all things well. While his desire is that we choose to receive his gift of abundant life, he also has no problem rem reminding us 
He will accomplish his purpose to heal and save with or without us. We remember, though it was our desire to be rid of the one who comes to give life and give it abundantly, we now and always live in the light of the God of resurrection. This is the God who says to us now, as he says every morning, rise, take up your pallet, and walk. We respond to the word by affirming our faith with the Apostles' Creed, number 881. Let us stand. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from thence he come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. As we find our places, I'll invite our ushers to come forward as we prepare to worship God with his tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. All things come of thee, O Lord, 
and of thine own do we give unto thee. You bless us beyond measure. We are stewards of all that belongs to you, and as we return this unto you in this time of worship, may you be glorified, and may many be blessed. Amen.
We share now in the prayers of the people, and you see that the response I invite you to offer will differ from the response to which we are accustomed. Uh, also, the prayer that we will share in responsibly is a prayer that will be appropriate to uh, our scriptures dealing with, with healing and praying for God's healing. So uh, as I conclude each of the petitions during the prayers of the people, I will conclude with the words, breathe on me, breath of God, and invite from you the response and to make me whole. We then pray as Christ has taught us. Let us go to God as we pray. O Lord, you are indeed the healer of all our ills. We bring to you, Lord, our bodies, minds, and spirits, hurting and broken by the violence, ills, trauma, and cares of a world separated from you. Come to us now with your healing powers. O God, we ask that you heal us. Give us the strength, health, wisdom, and knowledge found only through you. Send your life-giving spirit so that we may live our lives with courage and the profound peace of your love. Come to us now with your healing powers. Breathe on me, breath of God. O God, we ask that you sustain those who seek to alleviate the pain and suffering of this world. Give strength, courage, wisdom, and knowledge to all doctors and orderlies, nurses and clerks, psychiatrists, researchers, and all other medical caregivers, volunteers, and professionals. Send your life-giving spirit so that their ministries may bring healing and promote health. Come to us now with your healing powers. Breathe on me, breath of God. Be also with those who work to heal the wounds of societies and nations. Guide, protect, and strengthen our lawyers and police, chaplains and pastors, healthcare and social workers, politicians, military, diplomats, and all others who work for economic and social reform. Send your life-giving spirit that they may promote your love and grace, bringing healing to those in conflict and stability to those who are vulnerable. Come to us now with your healing powers. Breathe on me, breath of God. God so loved this world and this people that God sent Christ to suffer and die for us. Accept now that gift. Know that you are forgiven, reconciled, accepted, and loved. Breathe on me, breath of God. And hear us, O Lord, as we pray as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. We stand as we sing.
We go now as a light into this community and beyond. We go as those who are healed and made well. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.